Untitled Beatles podcast. Slate it. <laughs> Fucking slate it, Holmes. <laughs> slate it, Brad. We totally slate it. Well, we slate it, essay. Who are those guys? Whoever they are, they listen to an inordinate <laughs> amount of Sublime. Yeah. Well, hey, welcome to the Untitled Sublime podcast. I'm Beatle. <laughs> to- no, uh, welcome to the Untitled Beatles podcast. So I'm Tony Mendoza. And I'm TJ Shanoff. I don't practice Santeria. I ain't got no crystal ball. <laughs> is that is that is that something like that, man? I tell you what, I worked something? radio when that song was a current, as they said back in what ninety six, oh, <laughs> and that was the song that all the teenagers would call the radio station ninety three seven KCLB, the Valley's Rock. They would call that station three nine one five two five two three nine one KCLB, and they would call up and they would play Sublime. And so I heard that song like four times a day at least. And then, but every time I played it, I would do the segue and have the volume up in the studio. And then as soon as like, I don't practice, whoosh, turn the volume down. <laughs> turn it down. So, so I don't know the you're lyric after that. You mean you're not super into aggressive 90s white reggae? <laughs> I wasn't. Turns out I was not into it. Turns out even then I thought it was garbage and I would play like, in my in the studio, then I would crank the Stones, like and John Spencer and Pavement and all those Matador bands and all that. Pavement, Ar- Arches of Loaf and all that. Um, <laughs> the other song is "What I've Got." That was actually the first one we played. Anyway, that one's worse. Yeah, it is. It's even worse. It's just <laughs> it's a drum beat worse. with a moron. <laughs> Stupid. <laughs> It's their title of Sublime's first album, Beat <laughs> with a Moron. I know the guy died. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's not my fault. Anyway, <laughs> it was that time. It was his time. You know, the Lord is a plan for everyone, even the guy. And John Popper, too. Is he dead? Uh, no, he's, no, he lost all that weight, but he didn't die. He lost weight. I, I, I don't mean to, to be rude, but John Popper's nowhere near as funny since he's been thin. There you go. That's the yeah, he got that Piscopo disease. <laughs> but the opposite you way. <laughs> You've been Piscopoed, son. <laughs> well, he was funny and then he bulked up and became like this guy with like, you know, arms the size of legs and he wasn't funny anymore. No. He might not have been funny ever. He's funny in that one half season of SNL from 82. There that's you go. about it for Piscopo. Oh, and uh, excuse me, Johnny Dangerously. I'm going to give him credit for that, too. All right. <laughs> Simultaneously, I was when I started working radio, I worked overnight, and I was, still had this job at a golf course. And Joe Piscopo came up after... Uh, you know, he was done and I cleaned his golf clubs and his assistant had me go like gave me a roll of film and like, go get this developed. And I was like, OK, hoping for a big tip. Totally stiffed me. And then I went on. I, so I went on the air that night and, and started talking about how Joe Piscopo would be making all these <laughs> appearances at the local supermarkets. <laughs> 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 totally got back at him at 3 a.m. <laughs> There's no better 90s story than Joe Piscopo gave me a roll of film to get developed. Was it a disc camera or was it actual 35 millimeter film? I think it was an actual roll of film. Yeah. Okay. I had to go up the stairs. This is at the Marriott. I worked at the Marriott Desert Springs Resort Spa. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. When I was like 19. Anyway. Uh, yeah. And then I had my radio gig. But that's that was then. This is now. Actually, no. This is 
2005, TJ. We are going to go to 2005 today and celebrate Paul McCartney's, is it? Well, I, I read somewhere it was his 13th solo album, and I also read that it was his 20th post-Beatles album, but it's called Chaos and Creation in the Backyard. Yeah. Uh, uh, seminal album in the Paul McCartney catalog. His last album for EMI before he left to go briefly. This was not a great... The McCartney's got some weirdness, and you know yeah. I care about record labels. The, um, the <laughs> album immediately after this was on the Starbucks Hear Music label. Mm. Uh, the uh, Memory Almost Full, it was called. Yeah. You know, that, that kind of began the age where, like, McCartney had... And it was kind of cool at the time that iPod commercial with Dance Tonight was from that album and a few others. But, yeah, this is 05, and this was an album... That ranks to me as, I think, one of the best McCartney albums ever made. There's no other album in his catalog that's like it. And this is one when it came out in 05. And we'll talk about this as we go, Tony. 05 is one of those crazy years where McCartney did so much. 05, he opened the year with the Super Bowl. And he was the headliner at Live 8, the kind of 20-year-later sequel to Live Aid. Then this came, this album that critics loved. It was not a failure, but not, I think, the hit everybody thought it would be. Right. So this album, to me, represents McCartney at a very strong place. He was on tour in 05. Uh, and to me, it's one of the most important albums in a catalog that's filled with important albums. Yeah, man. Yeah, it's it totally does not sound like any of his other records. Um, it was produced by Nigel Godrich, who was real hot at that time. He was known for producing Radiohead, Beck. He did Pavement's last album, Terror Twilight. And uh, if I recall, he was recommended by George Martin. Yeah. Right? Because he wanted to work with George, but George didn't have the ears anymore. Was that the deal? Yeah. And uh, the George Martin not having ears story, that that's why they let Jeff Lynne do Free as a Bird. Like, George Martin might have lost his hearing in the 80s. Like, it, it goes further and further back for when George Martin couldn't uh, produce anymore. But yeah, this was, um, George Martin recommended Nigel Godrich, and it's kind of cool that George Martin was on the pulse of another great producer. I always think it's cool that it was George Martin who recommended this hot happening producer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was still, yeah, his his ears may not have been what they were, but they were definitely, you know, still on the pavement or whatever. Is that the phrase? <laughs> on the pavement? <laughs> a lot of pavement talk here. It's, it, well, you know, I, I want to range life. I love pavement. Pavement's one of the college bands I love that I don't feel embarrassed for loving. Oh, anymore. no, nor, nor should you. They're great. Um, yeah, so, yeah, it's got, so, yeah, it's, it sounds like no other record. And he definitely, you know, challenged Paul. Mm-hmm. If I recall, they originally he originally brought in his touring band and uh, did a session. And Nigel was like, ah, no, I want to challenge you. I would just want to work with you. We're going to do basically like a McCartney, McCartney 2. Mm-hmm. This will be a McCartney 3 thing where I want you to play everything. And Paul mostly plays everything on this record, right? Yeah, everything but the Dudick in Thank Jenny you. Wren. Is it called the, <laughs> yeah. the Dudick? What's, hey, what's Dudick. up, Dudick? <laughs> Dudick. Or in but the yeah, South, I mean, Duke. <laughs> Duke. Duke. Um, or in the South, David Duke. These are all different <laughs> things right now. Um, yeah. <laughs> they are different it's, things. They are different things. I've never seen David Duke play a Duduke. <laughs> Coming up next on the Dudukes of Hazard. Um, yeah, it's this. I forgot where we were already. Maybe we'll uh, even edit this He plays this all the instruments. Yeah. So McCartney plays all the instruments 
and the sound of which Harry McCartney played drums. Not a lot rocks on this record, but the moments yeah. that do promise promise to you, girl, fine line. When his drums kick in, it's a reminder of like, oh God, he's a great drummer too. What a great instinctive drummer. Like like yeah. the Beatles songs and other solo McCartney records where he plays drums, you're reminded of his skill and taste as a drummer. Yeah, man. It's yeah, it's a good sounding record. It's a it it it, it and it definitely has Nigel's touch all over it, uh, with a lot of the atmospheric elements that you hear would hear on like Radiohead records and Pavement. <laughs> pavement. <laughs> How many times? Today's magic word is pavement. I will say one more thing about the song Range Life. I'm not a guy who liked um, Smashing Pumpkins or Stone Double Pilots, and I love the way they get fucked with in Range Life. It makes That's me right. so happy. They get name checked. Elegant bastards. Are they foxy to me? Just yeah, so funny. Are they foxy to you, yeah. Elegant bachelors, TJ. Bachelors. Elegant. That's that's why I'm elegant. So elegant bachelors. <laughs> no, I love that band. I I got too into that band at that time. Okay. Yeah. So Nigel's Nigel's touch is all over this, um, and they clashed at times, if I recall. Mm-hmm. There were Nigel wouldn't let Paul do any songs that Nigel didn't like, and I guess at one point Paul thought I could just fire this guy. Yeah. Yeah, I think, uh, and but to McCartney's credit, because there were times McCartney, we talked press to play on this podcast where Hugh Padham, the 80s producer, they clashed and that album was a mess. Well, I think Paul saw that, uh, you know, Paul didn't get on that well with Phil Ramone. They had that period in the mid 80s where Paul had this kind of pap song called Once Upon a Long Ago that was featured on the British and UK version of All the Best That Hits comp. Still never officially released in the States, the song Once Upon a Long Ago, which is just wild. And he had a couple unreleased tracks with Phil Ramone that were, you could just tell they didn't have it going. For Nigel Gobberge to push Paul McCartney and McCartney to go, uh, you know, I could fire you, but I'm not going to fire you, is a testament to the material that they created together because it's some great stuff. I want to say before we go track by track, we talk about this not being like any other Paul McCartney album. There is without question no Paul McCartney album as dark as Chaos and Creation of the Backyard. The ballads are wistful. The ballads all have dark touches. Some of that's Nigel Godrich, um, Nigel Godrich too, but I'm sure some of the chord changes are Paul's. And things don't resolve into major keys all the time. There's quite often a resolution to a minor key, which is very un-Paul McCartney. Yeah, there are definitely a lot of adventurous chord changes in this song that were very surprising. Uh, yeah, should we? Get, let's get into it, track by track. Yeah, so track by track. 2005's Chaos and Creation in the Backyard. <laughs> All right, press to play. All right, and <laughs> Stranglehold, great underrated opener, written with Ten CC's Eric Stewart. And I mentioned Ten CC, I'll ding the bell. It's me. <laughs> Ten CC, Pearl Jam, Love and Spoonful, three bands named after uh, male ejaculate. <laughs> For Do real? you believe it? Do you believe in magic? <laughs> Stupid male It's uh, also three bands played consecutively on Jack FM. (laughs) All right. Well, okay. So I meant to. uh, Fine Line opens the album. Uh, A lot of people felt this should have been a hit. Yeah. 
Yeah, it was the lead single off the album, and it's a propulsive kind of McCartney piano tune. It almost reminds me to almost a distant cousin of Take It Away, minus the horns. I feel like it's kind of just, it's a piano-driven kind of pop rock song. Um, this one also, uh, the bridge is minor and discordant as the piano kind of ascends right before, whatever's more important to you. He's doing this progression that's kind of dissonant and discordant and minor, which is... At least for, for me, nothing like anything I'd heard on another McCartney song. And certainly not a single. And, uh, yeah, just a great, upbeat song. Yeah. Uh, you know, I wrote down that it has, like, an ELO feel. Yeah. Which I like. I, I So, on record, I love Jeff Lynne. I love his production. I, I do. I love the compression, and I love the limiter, and I love the, the phasey vocals, and... Uh, you, there's often a lot jam packed. That would be the criticism, I guess, right? He fucking compresses those songs into like, if you look at it, and layers. Yeah, it'd be like the fat tube on your. Uh, if you're watching GarageBand or whatever, you're mixing your digital mixer. Um, but yeah, I, I like it. I mean, the the it has that mid tempo kind of uh, Jeff Lynn ELO feel. So I like it. I like it. I mean, I get why it wasn't a hit. It. There's something about it that just doesn't quite, you know, I think with this whole album, it it, it reminded me of um, what a friend of mine said when he first heard Guided by Voices in the 90s and was like, oh, this band, they write like these songs that are almost hits, you know, but they <laughs> they just don't whatever. They don't like punch you in the face with the chorus and things like that. You know, they they tick they tickle you more than they like, you well, know. That's a great point about this album. As great as the album is as a whole, the songs aren't loaded with typical McCartney hooks, right? This is not his hookiest album. The songs are these gorgeous constructions that are gorgeously produced, but there's no silly love songs on here. There's no Band of the Run on here. There's no Another Day on here. Even Jenny Wren, uh, which we're going to get to in, in a minute or two, the third track on this album, kind of the cousin to Blackbird, is is minor and 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 dark, so it doesn't have the buoyancy of the typical McCartney hits. Well, then it's followed up by "How Kind of You," which it, it had it had like a ram feeling at the beginning with the yep. the scrambly bits at the, the top. Scrambly um, bits. Anytime I'm on the road and there's a Denny's, we always get the moons over Miami and the scrambly bits. The oh, two, I'm, uh, I'm more of a huddle house guy. <laughs> Not Waffle have, House, Huddle House. Never heard of Huddle House. Oh, it's been a the, Waffle House ripoff. House. What is it? It's it's a basically it's a it's a Waffle House, but instead of yellow and black, it's red and white. All right. Yeah, so I almost, I mean, I don't know. I've actually never eaten at a Huddle House, but it you makes sh- me feel like it's the cracked magazine of the <laughs> Waffle House chain. <laughs> uh, you've always reminded me as a guy who's a Luby's guy. I don't, so hold on. I don't even know what that is. Luby's? Luby's is a Texas based cafeteria chain. Oh, I don't know it. Yeah, that uh, I went to on the road every once in a while. You don't really remind me of a Luby's guy. You seem like an opportunity to drop the word Luby's in this conversation. Yeah, there's definitely a lot. I always thought Shakey's Pizza was a bad name for a place. Like, oh, let's go to that Shakey's Pizza. <laughs> like, how's the pizza? Um, Shakey. 
You don't know top, what you're going to get. All the toppings wound up on the floor. How did that happen? <laughs> I, it's Shakey's Pizza. Yeah, man. Yeah, Eddie Money's back there making all the pizzas. <laughs> <laughs> well, how kind of you. Yeah, yeah. it's uh, I, I, there's a light touch on the drums, very smooth feel on the production. I like the instrumental bit at the end. It's very feels like it's just like a different... It doesn't feel like a McCartney record. Mm-mm. No, it doesn't. And it's got the kind of backwards uh, effect in um, How Kind of You. And what I love about the way the track begins, that kind of ramshackle ram kind of uh, uh, sound you alluded to, the percussion doesn't kick in for the first two verses. There's no drums for right. a few verses. Like when you think it's going to come in, it doesn't. And he's singing very, he's, his voice is mixed in a way that's so front and center. It's one that with headphones feels like he's singing directly next to you. It's a haunting song. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty wild. Yeah. And especially in the uh, number two batting order there. Uh, followed up by probably the most, this is maybe the most popular track on the record, I would think. Jenny yeah, Wren. Th- this or Fine Line. Yeah. I think so. When I saw him in concert last year, uh, he th- he played this one. Oh, cool! And yeah, it was cool. Yeah, it's an adventurous kind of an acoustic. Again, with those adventurous chord patterns, it 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 takes you on this kind of elusive journey. You know, you know, it takes me on an elusive journey. Journey and not a <laughs> journey with the guy from the Philippines who doesn't speak English but sounds like Steve Perry. Oh, new that journey. Iter- that, that iteration. New new journey. <laughs> Anytime a band puts new in front of it, like you remember a couple years ago, the new cars with Todd Rundgren as Rick Ocasek? Yeah. It's just weird. Yeah, like, as, I like that as Rick Ocasek. <laughs> During this evening's performance, the songs normally performed by Rick Ocasek will be performed by his understudy, Todd Rundgren. <laughs> Todd Rundgren with Cheryl Teagues behind him instead of Paulina Portskova. <laughs> um, yeah, I like this song. And so this is a song that features that strange instrument. When I first heard it, I'm like, what is that, a clarinet or something? Like a, you know, Mike Dahl, Nigel style? But no, it's a, a dudic or a duduk, whatever you want to call it. It's a woodwind. sure what the origins are but it's a haunting sound you're right that sounds like a clarinet or something mixed weird is what it sounds like yeah that's a good song i, I will say i listened to this record twice in the last uh, couple days and i woke up this morning with this song in my head and you know i didn't mind it there the the coda of it is bluesy and out of nowhere it's another one like this beautiful mccartney touch if you think the song is over there was do do do, 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 when he's kind of riding the ending out. It's yeah. got almost a white album-y blues feel oh, to yeah. it as he rides it out. Kind of out of... It It doesn't sound like Can You Take Me Back Where I Came From, but it's got the same kind of vocal quality to me. It's, yeah. um yeah, it's, it, it's a great song that, again, holds minor. Um, but the day will come when dun-dun-dun-dun holds in a minor. It doesn't resolve until the following line. Which yeah. is so unlike him, and and beautiful for it. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah, there's some fun songwriting stuff going on. It's not just like oh, four bars of A, four bars of D, E, 
you know, he goes to some interesting places on this. Yeah. Um, okay, so next up is a song called At the Mercy. Gorgeous what? song. You like this one, yeah? I do. <laughs> I like parts of it. I, 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 do, I, find, I find the title portion of the song where he says, at the mercy, at the mercy. That, that's a, like a worm, an earworm mm-hmm. in my head. So that one, that one gnaws on me that way. But, um, but yeah, again, with these strange key changes, it, there's like a Brian Wilson feel to this. Yes, song. That, that's it exactly. Yeah, like, like a later, like, well, it's also around this time. So 2004 is when Brian Wilson finally finished Smile. And right. put it out with his band. So, well, the definitive the version is Smiley Smile from '67. <laughs> <laughs> I like that record. I I like love the record growing up. That record through Good Vibrations was on that record. Yes, yes, yeah. yeah that was that's where that one ended up. Uh-huh, yeah. <laughs> uh, fall but breaks yeah, it, and turns to winter. It, it 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 is it is very Brian Wilson esque and. There's a moment in I love. Uh, there's like a descending orchestral part that comes out of nowhere. Bum 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 bum. That just brightens it up because even the at the mercy earworm that you talked about isn't very Paul, right? It's got kind of a bum 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 bum. It's got kind of a weird minor dissonant thing. It's it's I. I don't know how to put this. It doesn't sound anything like Stephen Sondheim. I'm not comparing this record to Sondheim, but the adventurous things he's doing feel of that ilk. They feel both familiar, like Sondheim tunes do, and just left of center, like Sondheim, like Sondheim tunes do as well. So it's interesting to hear him kind of working in that experimental mode. It's cool, yeah. And like, yeah, I, yeah, I, I ripped on that at the mercy part for me. That's a, my opinion, or whatever taste and uh i will say though that at least the song isn't over long like and really nothing on their record is over long i think they're all about three four something like that the second half gets a bit bloated which we'll which we'll get into the last yeah. song plus the jam get oh a right bit, right right get a little yeah, bit yeah. bloated part, part of the habit of paul how how do you how do i end an album how about a C plus level song with a C minus level jam. <laughs> what are you gonna do? Oh, we might disagree on that. <laughs> <laughs> I think we will. <laughs> uh, up next was uh, the song. Well, friends to go is the name of it. Yeah. I, something interesting I read about this Tony is that he said he wrote this song. I don't know if you read this too. He woke up and he wrote the song inspired by George Harrison. He kind of felt yes. like he was writing a George Harrison song. And there's another cool parallel to there, a really underrated Wilco song from, oh, what album is it from? Is it from Wilco, the album called You'll Never Know? That's Jeff Tweedy waking up and saying he wrote that as a George Harrison song. It's just so interesting to hear two artists, both of whom I love, McCartney and Jeff Tweedy, saying I woke up and wrote a song inspired by George Harrison. I think it's really, really cool. Yeah, in fact, I think I read somewhere that he said that he didn't write it. George wrote it, you know? So I hope Olivia's getting some of that um, publishing <laughs> money. Sending Danny a check, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah it, it's, it's a great song. It, it qualifies as an upbeat song on this record, even though it's pretty mid-tempo. It's got a cool kind of cheeky message. I, I love, you know, what he's saying in the song. What is you the know? message? Because I don't hear lyrics. 
<laughs> the For message. Real, I'm like, well, I don't. I, I know it's called Friends to Go. N- n- nine times out of ten, I'm with you, not hearing the lyrics. But this one, I just kind of feel uh, what he's saying, where he's saying, "Hey, I, I to uh, a woman, I want to talk to you. I don't want your friends to see. I'm away for them to go outside. Then we're, you and me, we're gonna we're gonna talk. But your friends can't see because I'm no good and I'm danger. And if your friends see it, then <laughs> no, that part's true. But. <laughs> But yeah, I think that I've been waiting on the other side, uh, waiting for your friends to go so I don't have to hide. I prefer they didn't know. I've been waiting on the other side. I've been waiting on the other side for your friends to leave so I don't have to hide. I prefer they didn't know. I've been waiting on the other side. I wish I heard lyrics because <laughs> now it's like, oh, now I see it. I see the the song, you know, as a scene. Well, I, I think you and I are cut from a very similar cloth because I hear music first nine times out of ten. Totally. And there are there are important songs whose lyrics I've certainly missed because I've been so dialed into the music. Now, there's some songs a lot in the Beatles canon that they're inseparable. Imagine is one of them. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, obviously, I know what most of the lyrics to all the Beatles songs are. There's still like one or two where I'm like, what is he still saying there? <laughs> you know? And I still haven't gone to the internet to figure it out or whatever. Wait, wait, wait. So you're saying Savoy <laughs> Truffle is about Eric Clapton and chocolate? <laughs> yes, that, that I, I knew. Am. I knew that. Right. And then George didn't write that. The Box of the Chocolates wrote the song. <laughs> right. Hope he's sending a check to Russell fucking Stover's. <laughs> Is that a Chicago reference? Is Russell Stover uh, around the country, or is that like local, like Maurice Linnell? I think Russell Stover is national. I was never sure about Fannie Mae. I forget what Fan like was Fannie Mae regional, or is that I don't I don't, I don't know. know. But I got really confused when Fannie Mae and Freddie <laughs> Mac and all that like Me too. although Me too. like is it are they making truffles or are they handling my student loan like what right. <laughs> Yeah, and those striped awnings. What's happened? And then they <laughs> all started closing down. Anyway, poor Fannie Mae. My mother loved Fannie Mae, so that was that. They're back. <laughs> Fannie Mae is back. There's one in Lincolnwood, yeah. not far from us on Lincoln Avenue, that looks like an old-school Fannie Mae. Well, that's groovy. So my, my Fannie Mae GoFundMe worked great. <laughs> Melt aways for everybody. Fuck Frango, though. I don't buy Frangos unless they're made by somebody in a Marshall Fields t-shirt. Do you understand? <laughs> I love Frangos and I love Melt aways. In fact, those you just labeled my two favorites. And if we're, throwing, if we're talking that, then Milano <laughs> Pepperidge Farm cookies. Those were the best. And you know what? I, I love Milano so much. I don't need a goddamn <laughs> double Milano. The double Milano ruins the experience for me. The Milano is the perfect combination. Have you tried like, a double and, and an orange Milano? No. I don't need oh. it. Oh, no, 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 no. No, I haven't. My mom, I like this. I haven't had one of those probably since the 90s, but I, I love them. I you love haven't had a Milano since? What, what, what have you been eating? Snack wells? Yeah, I'm still I'm recording from behind one of those trucks right now, <laughs> waiting for the Snackwells man to leave so I can hijack. This uh, I'm sure this 15 calorie devil's food cake cookie can't be loaded with other chemicals. It's got to be healthy. Oh yeah. Whatever makes my body thinner, I don't care what the cost is. <laughs> Anyway, oh boy. <laughs> anyway, George Harrison would approve of that conversation uh, yes, based would. on this song he didn't write 
but Paul wrote as George. It's it's um, it's a neat little song and written. You know, I think he'd done the concert for George three years or four years before that. He'd come to terms yeah. with with the piece of the death of someone Paul McCartney referred to as his baby brother in George Harrison. So there's an extra sweetness that that he felt so inspired by George to do this. Um, okay, so then it's followed up by English Tea. Strike one. <laughs> <laughs> I feel that, uh, remember when that Zombies record, Odyssey and Oracle, became like hip again? Uh-huh. In kind of the late 90s, early aughts. So this feels like, a to me, Paul like doing an Odyssey and Oracle Zombies song. It's a little more twee than anything on Odyssey and Oracle. I feel like Odyssey and Oracle and some of the kink stuff from that era, like Village Green Preservation Society, yeah. doesn't take itself quite as seriously as... No, uh, let me take it back. English Tea doesn't take itself seriously. It just misses the mark on that field. The lyrics, do you know the game Croquet, Paraventure? Yeah. Uh, Paul McCartney said in 5,000 interviews how proud he was of himself to bring up Paraventure. Once I got into this world of sort of uh, eccentric... Old English uh, ladies. Um, I uh, I suddenly remembered. I read a lot of Charles Dickens. I suddenly remembered this word peradventure. So I wrote it in the song, and I thought, I, oh, I can get away with this. This will be cool. And I looked it up in the dictionary just to be sure. And sure enough, it means perhaps. It means maybe. Uh, peradventure. I'm amazed. You know, like one of the same <laughs> stories you've heard over and over again. You know, I, I met the Chancellor of Russia and he said, I learned English from Love Me Do. You know, McCartney tells the same five <laughs> stories all the time. But like the Perry Bench thing was one. I mean, this it's actually I give Nigel Garbage credit for scoring it tastefully. This song sounds like a George Martin scored song. It sounds like a, something that Paul could have released on London Town or any. This is not different for Paul McCartney. This one. Yeah, it's it's funny, and I love that Elfin Wood Sprite. Uh, is that a, is that a recorder solo or a flute? Something in there from the soundtrack to Elves and Fairies. That's what it sounds like. <laughs> yeah, Paul with his c- curled boots, <laughs> jaunting around a log. Lemming on my boots. Paul McCartney, <laughs> Garth Brooks, One Night, Elves and Fairies. Oh, <laughs> uh, I just drove through uh, Garth Brooks's hometown. Anyway, where's Garth Brooks's hometown? Uh, it's in Oklahoma, and it is um, near Tulsa. I forget the name of it. Ah, anyway, yeah, I you, drove through it. You just completed a, a road trip to do some work. We haven't actually recorded one of these in a couple weeks. It's our first time yeah. kind of connecting, but. Tony almost hit a tornado on the way out in his trip and almost hit a and did hit a blizzard on the way back. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I encountered snow. Uh, this is in September. This is the day after Labor Day. I was driving through snow in uh, the plains like Nebraska and uh, the Colorado plains, eastern Colorado, not even the Rockies or whatever. It was like the the plains up into New Mexico. I woke I stayed in Santa Fe, woke up and there was snow in my car in Santa Fe in on September. September. September 7th or 8th. Crazy. But you're safe. You're back. On topic, off topic. Uh, What got me through that, it was harrowing driving through the, I was on a two-lane highway for like 200 miles through Colorado, and it was 
it was windy, like 30 mile an hour winds, you know, and we were into 30 degree weather. So I'm, I'm just nervous about getting blown off or blown into the oncoming semis, et cetera, yeah. for like five hours. Anyway, I listened to the White Album, the 2018 full on extras and everything and got a greater appreciation for that. Awesome. You know, when when something first comes out, you kind of like binge listen to it like you're 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 not listening to what you're currently listening to because you're excited about what's coming up right <laughs> so this time i finally got to like oh i really sat into that like 17 minute take of revolution one or whatever you know yeah uh which ended up becoming a lot of the basis for revolution nine and uh even like the long version of helter skelter too i i like <laughs> i usually don't not that slow one that's 10 minutes or whatever it is with the with the with the, the premonition of jam band guitar noodling yeah <laughs> yeah it was halloween right. halloween fish concert uh yeah so it, the beatles got me like oh. calmed me during like an otherwise stressful slog so thanks guys i, I am thrilled to hear that we differ a little because for me that's sublime there's nothing I like than being more in a harrowing spot and going, what well, I'm going to tell Sanchito about something. That's what it gets me going now. Um, I'm, uh, I'm glad you're okay. And I've been there many times uh, with Beatles during harrowing moments where, you know, I used to fly a ton for work back in the days when there was, you know, fucking work. And uh, I would I would fly, uh, you know, I was, I was on probably, you know, 10 uh, flights a month. And Whoa. during turbulence, Ugh. man, I, I had uh, I had all the Beatles have downloaded on my phone. Like bad turbulence, I put on the Let It Be album because I knew Let It Be was always coming up. But just to hear two, the 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 chit chat before two of us and the bits, and then two of us kind of beginning. Yeah, the, the album made me calm. And then you know, yeah, I mean, this is a perfect segue into the next song. Too much rain. Yeah. Wow. How do, how do we do it? TJ, how do we do it? We, we, Magic it's segue. almost like we plan for the shows too much rain parentheses feet, Tom Skilling. As I think what it was known as <laughs> feet. F E A T is what you mean. Not like period. wiki feet, Tom Skilling. Paul McCartney, Tom Skilling's feet. John Popper. One on one. I haven't been to all these people today. John Popper's fingernails <laughs> wiki. <laughs> <laughs> what wiki are you into? <laughs> oh, I'm into David Cassidy's uh, <laughs> salt lamps. <laughs> Which, by the way, is a metaphor. <laughs> <laughs> so the song Too Much Rain, that Paul McCartney, this closes side one on the uh, record. And this is one that he said was um, inspired by uh, Charlie Chaplin's song, Smile. So I heard it was inspired. I thought you were doing a bit. I heard it was inspired actually by Heather Mills, his uh, newly ex-wife. Yeah, this is. And we should mention that another thing about 05 is this is on the precipice of that really coming to an end. The marriage to Heather Mills. Heather Mills. OK, you, so he's still with her at this time. Uh, Where is he at in his life here? They might be separated because riding to Vanity Fair, which is coming up, is definitely about Heather Mills. I'm pretty sure. Got it. Uh, Got you it. love. De uh, here, here's a smart uh, tip when speaking confidently. Say definitely and then end with I I'm pretty sure. <laughs> Look, I, I, it, is, it is a definite fact. You cannot you cannot argue with it. Uh, there's a chance I'm not right. It's basically what <laughs> that was. Go. Yeah, well, uh, we, we both may be right. I had read that that this is one that was inspired by, and I read this a long time ago, so maybe I'm wrong, but that kind of the Charlie Chaplin song, Smile, kind of inspired him to write a song, like a cheer-up song. 
Got it. Well, I'm sure. Yeah, it's not binary. We can both be right on this one. No, there's got to um, be a winner. <laughs> this, yeah, it's got to be political. Which, <laughs> I don't know who's red and blue on this one, but uh, well, you're the Packers I'm, and I'm the Bears, Tony. Next topic. <laughs> Um, I like this song. This is actually one of my favorites on the record. Um, and I, I can't even tell you why, but I, I like, I liked it. I like this one. I love it too. It's one of my favorites. The simple guitar solo where Paul's just playing the melody line, but doing it beautifully. And then comes in for the second half of the, the verse that he's been playing the solo for is, um, the whole thing's just gorgeous. And the lyrics are nice. They're inspirational lyrics without being too pappy. Um, the production of this, <laughs> hello, papi, hello, mummy, <laughs> BBC four presents mummy and pappy. <laughs> I don't even know if BBC four is a thing, but it feels like mummy and pappy would be on that. Yeah, man. Did you ever watch, uh, when channel 32 in the mornings, like in the mid eighties would rerun, um, the original British versions of three's company and the ropers called, Man About the House and George and Mildred. Whoa, man. No, I totally missed that. I uh, I mean, I was watching WFLD back then, but I wonder, was that like way early? Was that like a 6 a.m. thing? No, this would have been uh, 83 or 84, I think, at 10 in the morning. And oh. It, and it was... What were you doing? <laughs> I, you do dude, well, we, I got a dropout got, or something? <laughs> elementary school dropout. Elementary school dropout. <laughs> Um, no, I was in school. School. I, I was '80s homeschool. That's why I love Reagan. Love cocaine. Um, Good. I hope uh, no, that's working I, out for you. This was the, the, my fourth grade year. I actually missed a fair amount of school because I had I had pneumonia, and then I was later diagnosed oh, okay. with asthma. So there was like I had like I was Ringo for about a you year. Ringo, yeah. I had <laughs> me tonsils, and it was in the hospital, and then no more autographs. Peace and love. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> I'm telling you, a peace and love. Leave me the fuck alone. Um, but yeah, the, there was a time, and it was it was periodic times during the year. So like winter, I missed some time, and then spring. That was the year where I watched just a ton of early, like early April Cubs games at 1 p.m. on Channel Nine. That shaped my oh, Cub nice. fandom because I was missing school. But at any rate, there was a show <laughs> called George and Mildred that was the British Ropers and Man About the House, which is the original British Three's Company. Worth seeking for all you Anglophiles out there. <laughs> <laughs> and by the way, Anglophiles stay away from kids. They may be different things, <laughs> but the name implies that maybe you shouldn't be near the preschool. You know? Yeah, we don't want you talking that way. Right. We want you to pronounce your T's <laughs> and your R's and all those other consonants you choose. <laughs> we want you to say controversy, not controversy. Again, not controversy. <laughs> uh, well, well, what another great segue. Anglophiles into the next song, A Certain Softness. We keep coming with these great segues. Um, this is, uh, I wrote down, this is Paul's Spanish vacation. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of his cousin to And I Love Her is what it always makes me think of. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. yeah. It's like a bossa nova-ish feel. Yeah. Maybe. And, oh, no, I got a Spanish vibe off it. And it's orchestrated uh, that same way. That's got kind of the Spanish guitar, the Spanish percussion. It's pretty. The song doesn't do much for me, but it's a pretty song. Yeah. Yeah. It meanders a bit. So then it's, it's riding to Vanity Fair, and that's riding as in like a bike ride. 
Right. So this is one where they like him and Paul had creative differences. Paul originally wanted it to be more upbeat. And Nigel wanted it to be slower. And this Nigel won that one. Yeah. And it works. It's like George Martin won with Please Please Me by speeding it up when um, right. John wanted it to be the slower Arbison thing. This is the opposite of that. And this one to me is is great in that it's about Heather Mills and the breakup. I bit my tongue. He started. I think it's the first line is I bit my tongue. So he starts off the song letting you know that he is he's pissed and he kept his mouth shut, but now he's not afraid to talk about it. Yeah, that's wild. Yeah, it's 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 a it's real like the production has like these icy reverb plates going on. The the Godrich, you know, atmospheric radiohead sounding stuff. Kind of this like Arctic production. And then these strings come in and they're kind of woozy. It's yeah. Yeah, it's like, oh, is this what an impending divorce feels like? <laughs> you know? Yeah, that's exactly what it sounds like. It, and it's it's sparse and cold, to your point. Um, and his voice is very direct, too. I mean, much like the other McCartney true solo albums. I shouldn't say that. I'm not including McCartney, too, in this, because McCartney, too, is the opposite of direct. This and McCartney are both very direct albums. McCartney, too, is cold in a different way. McCartney 2 is not as accessible as this or McCartney to me. No, no. But I, I, I actually like a lot of those um, keyboard instrumental stuff on McCartney 2. That's my favorite oh, stuff on that. You're a longtime Frozen Jap guy. I am. <laughs> I, know I love are. that song. That makes my, my Macca mix, man. <laughs> <laughs> I love when Terry Hemmer plays the Susie and the Banshees cover of Frozen Jap on Breakfast with the Beatles. <laughs> here's here, here's Crowded House doing bogey music. Why? Why? Thank you. Thank you for the Crowded House. Here's Cutting Crew with Everybody's Got Something to Hide, except me and my Crowded House. <laughs> oh, God, I love it. <laughs> So yeah, it, it, that, that's about the most point. That's the song you play somebody who wants to know what was going on in Paul McCartney's head with his marriage at this time. And it's all the more reason as his marriage had already fallen apart uh, that his schedule that year, Super Bowl, Live 8, this album, a major concert launching in the fall of 05 makes the year so astonishing to me. It's Yeah, he was it's, busy. It's almost, it's almost like Beatles like mid-60s level of busy. It's relationships and tours and concerts and special TV events and the road and a new album. It's it's quite a testament to where he was in the early part of the 2000s. Yeah. Yeah, man. Totally. Uh, followed up by a song called Follow Me. Now, this one has kind of a hook in it. It sounded to me like a late period Lennon hook, actually, in there. The uh, any Any Destination part. Any destination. Yeah, it's a good point. It sounds like something from around, you know, Double Fantasy, like those demos from the Double Fantasy era. Oh, that what a cool observation. Yeah, I totally see that. I made that connection, but that makes perfect sense. It starts off with just that acoustic strum singing very directly. Yeah. Yeah, I like this song. He, this is the first one I think he and Nigel Gobrich worked on together. This one to me feels like 
classic McCartney. This the album, in all fairness to me, starts to feel like classic uh, McCartney album filler at this point. And again, I always need to say this by for people who you know might be listening to their first podcast. I am a a, a vehement McCartney defender. All his albums. I mean, you you and I can go. We'll go deep on Wildlife breathlessly, but <laughs> there are certain songs that feel like filler. This one to me isn't bad. It just feels like it's a fine McCartney ballad. Yeah, yeah. Now, up next is uh, Promise to You Girl, okay? Is this the song you were referring to earlier that was maybe a bit much? No, I thought this one is actually one of the few rockers on the album when he when he kicks into it. This one, to me, is like a bit up-tempo. And I like that he's... I love the opening line, looking through the backyard of my life. It kind of... This begins the age of Paul McCartney being reflective in his music. Right, right. As evidenced by the... Uh the cover art, which is a picture his brother took back in before the Beatles hit, right? McGear. Mike McGear. <laughs> Dude, the, the two best Beatles albums that aren't by the Beatles are McGear and Clateau. <laughs> Clateau, the Canadian Beatles. <laughs> yeah. Calling intercontinental planets or whatever the hell you said. No Calling sorry. occupants of interplanetary craft. <laughs> Give me credit for being close on Clateau. Oh, this must be the Beatles. It's 1976, and I'm on cocaine. <laughs> I love that people thought it was the Beatles. Like they went. Do you remember? Like, well, it it, it is on Capitol. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, then it's gotta be. <laughs> so, promise you, girl, your thoughts. So, yeah, I I I dig it. It's it's up tempo. I love the piano to it. It's got kind of that pounding, almost. You know, it's almost got that Lady Madonna kind of uh, piano to it. Yeah, I like this one. I, this one was like a strange song to me. It has this like. It sounded like his uh, Bohemian Rhapsody at the beginning. Yeah, it's got the Queen bit at the top. <laughs> yeah, with these these the his harmonies with himself that are you know higher in register. Um, yeah, and then it gets into that jaunty. It sounds like a B side off a of Ram, like one of those. I don't know. I like the feel of it. And there's some ELO kind of phased vocal thing going on. Mm-hmm. I wrote it's a nutty little song, but it's it's not little. It's actually quite big. This is that's why I thought yeah. you were talking about that earlier when it was like things get a little long at the end of this record. No, this one, it's the next two songs we'll get into that feel, that feel like some of the bloat at the end of this. Then we might agree. Um, yeah. <laughs> no, I, I, yeah. I promise you girl, I think is great. And it's actually one I'll still put on mixes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. When I'm, when I'm making, it. I think it's the most exciting song on this record. Yeah. At least it on is. the, it's the most rock, the record proper. There's some B sides too, which I quite like, um, which we'll get to. Uh, well, let's yeah, let's let's knock out these last two on the record. Then uh, this never happened before. Um, yeah, go ahead. Beautiful ballad in the style of a, of a of a Paul McCartney kind of typical, you know, motor of love. Uh, uh, what's the one on um, Pipes of Peace? Through our love, you know, the kind of it's it's a big McCartney ballad. Only love remains. 
but it doesn't really go anywhere. And in fact, there's a promo edit that I'm so nerdy about that <laughs> when I when I put this album on CD for the car, I'll use the promo edit. <laughs> the parentheses single version. I love yeah. it. I mean, that's how I feel about Light My Fire and Won't Get Fooled Again these days, where I'm like, all right, I heard the 12-minute version, whatever. They're not 12, but you know what I mean. I've heard the long versions enough. Like, yeah, just give me a little bit of that. Farfisa solo. <laughs> well, that's that's why your favorite take of Hey Jude is the Beatles' 20 Greatest Hits 5-Minute 15-Second Thank edit. you. Thank you. Yes, it is. I bought that British-only LP. <laughs> greatest Hits. Uh, yeah, I wrote. I just wrote down, it sounded like something, like a ballad off Red Rose Speedway. Same. We just made the same point. Yeah, yeah. I, I like that the orchestra starts to swell at the end. Um, but yeah, you're right. It's not... Yeah, I don't really remember it too well. Mm-mm. And then it ends with a song called Anyway, which has kind of a seesaw progression, just kind of like piano thing back and forth. One of the comments I've seen people make about Anyway is that it sounds a lot like the song People Get Ready, that the intro is kind of ganked from People Get Ready. Who wrote that? Did Curtis Mayfield write that? I think Am so. Am I making that up? I think so. Um, so. Let me double check that because I don't want to get that one wrong. If we get, I mean, what are we going to do if we get it wrong? What What are you people <laughs> going to do to me? Here, I'll give you Tony's address. You talk to him. <laughs> uh, people get ready. Uh, yeah, single by the Impressions. Okay. So Curtis Mayfield wrote it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, okay. Good. Hey, so I give myself some credit for getting a Curtis Hometown Mayfield hero. trivia right. Hometown hero. I know the uh, the version of that I'm the most familiar with is that uh, Aretha Franklin version, um, which does not sound like this. But I don't know if the Impressions version, if this does sound like a, a ripoff of that. It's a very pretty piano intro for a song that doesn't really go anywhere and then ends with a 17 and a half minute jam. <laughs> <laughs> I have no recollection of that jam. I think, <laughs> I, I think, yeah, I, I guess I don't remember that. Well, that's how that one ends. <laughs> but uh, yeah, a lot of people really dig this record. They definitely put it in like the top five solo Macau records. Yeah, I think if, I mean, this is its own show, but if I had to rank, this is easily in my top three solo McCartney albums. Top three, wow. Top yeah. three. And it's what are the all- other two? Oh, it, ch- it changes a lot. It's a cop out to put Band on the Run up there. It's such a great album, but it's I'm gonna record. I'm gonna pull back and I'm gonna say my top three McCartney albums if I had to pick right now. Number one is Ram. Number two, oh God. But see, this is tough because like I love Back to the Egg. I I yeah, was a right. I was a tug of war lover forever. Right. Right. And I still love the record, but the reissue almost made me sour on it a bit because so much feels like a missed opportunity in Tug of War. The Carl Perkins duet, Get It, feels like a missed opportunity. Ebony and Ivory, for as big of a hit as it is, to have Paul McCartney and Stevie Wonder, two of the greatest songwriters in the history of music, coming up with only Ebony and Ivory. And the other Stevie Wonder song on there, that What's That You're Doing, is kind of a song that sounds like a Stevie Wonder B-side that McCartney's guest starring on. You know, Somebody Who Cares I loved as a kid, but now it's, you know, that's got the McCartney Hallmark lyrics. You know, like... I'm sorry, what does that mean? They sound like they're from a greeting card. 
Got it. Got it. I thought there was actually like a Hallmark commercial. <laughs> they use that song. I'm like, I missed that one. Next time you hear somebody who cares, imagine a Hallmark commercial from 1982 and you'll, you'll know what I mean. But again, but because of the one-two punch of uh, uh, tug of war and take it away and because of wanderlust and because of ballroom dancing, um, I, it is, that's, pr- okay, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to say, despite me just shitting on it, you put me in a corner here, Ram, Tug of War, Chaos, and Creation there are my three go. favorite Paul albums. What are yours? I would also say Ram, um, I think Wildlife, and then Driving Rain. And that is our, that's our kryptonite right there, our relationship. Because driving, rain, driving Rain to me feels like the antithesis of chaos and creation. Driving Rain feels studied. Driving Rain feels forced. This is just, to me, Driving Rain feels like it's in search of something. Chaos and creation feels like it's in the pocket of something. I guess I'm just I searching I don't know what right the now. fuck that means. <laughs> go, to, go to find her. Yeah. Go to find her. Yeah, man. Let's do Smokey Joe's uh, (laughs) review. (laughs) If you like cats, you'll love Smokey Joe's Cafe. Love Smokey Joe's Cafe. Um, So, yeah, let's get into the B-sides because we can kind of rattle through some of these. One of my favorite all-time Paul McCartney tracks that when I heard just hit me, and you're going to go, of course it is, TJ. Let's hear it. One of my favorite B-sides ever is Summer of 59. I love yes. that. So, oh, God, I love that song. It is, that's another one that has never been officially released in the States. It's only appeared as a B-side um, import on a CD single. That's a good song. Yeah, it's this acoustic rocker. There's, uh, you know, obviously an element of nostalgia going on. Um, I love the hook on the chorus. Isn't it great? Look at the boys turn into men. Good taste. Nobody knew what we knew then. Look at the girls turn into women. Look at the girls turn into women. Some of the girls turn into women. It's a good song. Yeah, and it's it's what, two minutes or whatever? It's one of those where it's honestly that's the kind of music I like a lot of the time. I I, I hate to say it. I don't have uh, a lot of patience for songs that you know, like th- I think that's why this record doesn't make my top three is because I'm not patient enough to enjoy it uh, as fully as others can. Like things like Radiohead's Kid A record or whatever. Like I can't listen to that record. Um, I heard it once while driving to San Francisco and I almost died because <laughs> I was <laughs> sleeping. It's a, uh, <laughs> it's a hard record. <laughs> but um, so, yeah, so. I love songs that are like this length, pop songs. I'm a shallow person. Uh, not to say that this song is shallow. It's just saying like, ah, like I would have loved this song on that record is yeah. what I'm trying to say. I, I wonder if it wasn't on because I, you play the game, where do you put it? Unless you're Dave Dexter, where do you slot that song on this album? It doesn't go I, anywhere. It'd be at the end. It would be a Her Majesty. Ooh, all, like a secret track almost. Yeah, you make it that. You do that. It's a good song. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I also like um, the weird instrumental, I've Only Got Two Hands. Mm-hmm. I like that song a lot. Um, yeah, that's just like a, there's a fuzz bass. There's this like echoey harmonica. I like instrumentals too. That's another strange, I guess because I don't hear lyrics. You know, to me, it's like, ah, at least there's no one talking. I don't have to like <laughs> hear, <laughs> hear anybody. Shut up with your, <laughs> with your lyric yapping. Yeah. Quit flapping your gums all over this music. <laughs> If I wanted words, I'd talk to my fucking wife. 
<laughs> that guy. <laughs> yeah. Hey, get this singer to make a cheeseburger. <laughs> get him out of here. To this band. Hey, uh, you, Robert Plant, take a fucking seat. <laughs> Do something <laughs> with your life. Yeah. What the fuck does now and Zen mean anyway? Yeah, fucking. <laughs> I mean, Rush would have been a better band instrumentally. Oh, but, he's uh, the worst. What's the guy's name? Not Chris Getty Coons. Lee. Getty Lee. <laughs> I just confused Getty Lee with a Delaware senator. I'm losing my mind. Like Chris what? Coons. Like who? I was like, are you thinking of Greg Kinn? <laughs> Where all his records were named like Rockin' Roll or whatever. Kinspiracy. <laughs> yeah, you're right. In fairness, yeah. you, you got to feel bad for him. He did lose on Jeopardy. <laughs> <laughs> I love it, Weird Al. All right. Great, what great what else? We got... Um, Growing up, falling down. Let's bring it down. That's kind of a bad one. That's Paul meandering. That's a song that should just be on the on the bonus tracks of the uh, the box set. I agree. Yeah, waiting for that one to end is what yeah. I wrote down. Uh, there's also these strange duets with. Uh, well, there's there's heal the pain, which he did with George Michael. Yeah, I actually want to get into that for a second, if I could. Let's do I- it. I discovered that song only a couple years ago when there's some website, I can send it to you. Some guy went and kind of took all the spare parts from every McCartney album ever, kind of made his own archive collections for download. And my philosophy on those is, I mean, I bought so much Paul McCartney music. I don't have to, to, to steal the original albums, but if there's a B side or a track that I don't have and you can't get, yeah, I'll, I'll download that. This is one that was a George uh, Michael song from the late 90s, maybe, that was written and he was inspired by Paul McCartney when he wrote Heal the Pain. And he and Paul McCartney, I, I don't know how it happened. They struck up a friendship in the early 2000s. And in fact, during Live 8, uh, when McCartney sings Drive My Car, George Martin bounds out and sings the John Lennon harmonies along with, with McCartney. It's George a great, Michael. if you haven't seen the clip, George Michael, right? George Martin <laughs> can't hear. Although if you've yeah, ever he heard... he was off. He was way... He was a first behind. <laughs> Have you ever heard George Martin's cover of Wake Me Up Before You Go-Go? It's, it's, it's pretty... I mean, it's tasteful. Bug. It's very tasteful. But yeah, so George Michael bounds out and starts... And it's a cool moment. He watched him sing Drive My Car with McCartney with all this great energy. And at some point around that time... George Michael said to Paul, or his people did, I wrote one song with you in mind. I'm recutting it for a Greatest Hits album. Would you do it with me? And that's where Heal the Pain came from. And I never knew the story till a couple years ago. I'd never heard the song, and I love it. I think it's so, it's all George Michael written with Paul Singer, but it just feels like a McCartney song. Yeah. I, what I are did, your thoughts? I, I, di- I didn't know it was a George Michael song. That makes a lot more sense to me. Um, so, I don't listen to his music, uh, but I, I like George Michael. I like I like whatever he did for culture, you know, yeah. and, um, you know, R.I.P. Uh, that said, I wrote that this song felt very A.C. to me, very <laughs> adult con- contemporary. It is. Yeah, it's it's a little too A.C. for me. It's, to me, it sounded like a, it was a catalog for some, you know. Home furnishings. <laughs> What's wrong like. with home furnishings, Tony? <laughs> You're very right. Very catalog flipping music, but, uh, but yeah, I I like 
I like George Michael. I like that they became friends. I like the story you told. Um, yeah. Yeah. I can like people, but not their work. <laughs> I feel I feel that way about most of my improviser friends. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's um, uh, yeah. So that's I, I guess there is a pap element. I just love it. I think I was so blown away by the novelty of it's. I'm so nerdy about this. I feel like it's rare that I didn't know about this in real time. So I think I love it extra because it's new to me. If that makes yeah. any stupid sense. That does make sense. Well, it was like when he performed live at, uh, was that the eight thing, Live Eight, where he mm-hmm. performed Sgt. Pepper with you too? Yeah. And it was, I guess that was the first time he ever did Sgt. Pepper, not the reprise, just Sgt. Pepper live. Uh, I hate and to he, I hate to say this. I'm thrilled you brought it up. That's not true. And Paul oh. Paul either lied about it or misremembered it because on the eighty nine ninety tour, which I saw twice, he did Sar- the original Sergeant Pepper and then segued into the reprise. But yeah, oh. he had. Uh, I remember being upset in 05 reading. And it's the first time we did it, and it's you. Think, <laughs> I was I was with you at the fucking Rosemont Horizon. <laughs> In 89. Wait, you were seated next to Paul McCartney at his own concert? You know, it, it was... A, was this like a Back to the Future thing? <laughs> it was a different era. Because Back to the Future 3 came out that year. They had a promotional thing where I got to go back, and then I got to get back in time. And, uh, yeah, but so that that frustrated me at the time. But there's, I'm going to tell you another quick story about this, because the reason he duetted with you 2 what I read... There was a debate on who was going to close and who was going to open uh, Live Eight, and you two, uh, I, I think McCartney wanted to open, or you two wanted to close, and mm. there was some friction, and that's why they came to the decision to have McCartney join you two doing a note for note cover of Sgt. Pepper. Now it is the first time it had been done with real horns because it was all in Wix's keyboard <laughs> back in '89. It's true, right? No, right, right. For, but for, I was I'm laughing at those guys dressed in the Sgt. Pepper outfits playing those horns in those dumb wigs. <laughs> the, the wigs take it down several notches. Totally. Yeah. Uh, I was like, what is this like? <laughs> What are we like? It's pa- it's Palatine's number one Beatle tribute group, Pepperland. Yes, that's <laughs> exactly exactly. That's funny. Well, that, that yeah. reminds me of the Monterey Pop Festival when it was the Jimi Hendrix uh, versus the Who, who would follow who because they both smashed their gear up, and who was going to be the first one in America to do it or whatever. You know, who was uh, the Who went the Who went first. Because they had invested years in smashing gear. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then that's why Hendrix uh, lit his on fire, I think, to differ- differentiate. Oh, that's that's where, that's where the famous yeah. Hendrix guitar and fire moment. Yeah, yeah. Uh, are, as a fan of short songs, what do you do with a lot of the Who stuff? Like Quick One uh, While He's Away, that's mm-hmm. a great song. That's yeah. also what, 12 minutes. That that's one, a workout. That one, well, the, yeah, the rock and roll... Circus version is the best version of that. And yes, it's shorter. It's more like seven or eight, but it's also five, you know, one and a half minute songs. You know what I mean? Right. No, there's definitely certain long songs I like. Like I said, one of my favorite Paul McCartney songs now is the 10 minute one uh, off of uh, Driving Rain. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
So it's, you know, I'm a comp. I'm not binary. I'm a comp. I'm very complicated, TJ. <laughs> I also like a lot of Pink Floyd. Like, I like Echoes, too, you know, by Floyd. So Echoes is my favorite Pink Floyd song, too. Yeah, but I also yeah. like Bike, you know, except for the one minute of sound effects at the end of it. Um, also by Pink Floyd on their first record. Um, are, are you a, a Sid Barrett or no Sid Barrett Pink Floyd Oh, fan? Sid Barrett, all the way. I like them both, okay. but I definitely prefer the Sid Barrett stuff. Well, here's another Live 8 thing for you. Go seek out Live I mean, I remember I had just bought my condo in Wrigleyville that summer, and I got DirecTV, and I stayed home for like two days to watch Live 8. And it closed, actually, with the Pink Floyd reunion. And the performance, it's one of the few times ever that um, Roger Waters and Dave Gilmore have been on stage together in all these years. And they yeah, did, it, I mean, they did what you'd expect. They did uh, Run Like Hell and I think Breathe and um, Wish You Were Here. You know, it's it's sure, like the Pink the Floyd great. It's, it's the ones you hear on The Drive. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah, it's those. the songs we've heard a thousand times for the but, last 40 years, yeah. But it was cool hearing them uh, do those songs. It was I remember having my breath taken away. Of course, I'd also been 18 bong hits in by the time. <laughs> my girlfriend at the time made me throw my bong away because she was she said I couldn't own a condo and have a bong. Then we broke up and I was like, "Fuck, my bong." <laughs> Coming up next on Fuck My Bong. <laughs> Ooh, I love Fuck My Bong. <laughs> Today's episode, <laughs> Packed with Snow. Oh, Hoth Bong. <laughs> That's what we call it. We used to put it. The first time I ever smoked marijuana was through this like PVC tube with ice cubes in it. And they called it the Hoth Bong. It was this homemade thing <laughs> in the desert in California. <laughs> anyway. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Fun stuff. Bong days. Hashtag bong days. Yeah. Hashtag so that's bong days. That's uh, I, I suggest seeking out Live Eight because it's weird. It's very part of an era that weird post nine eleven, like Bush Katrina strange era in time. It's just worth watching. Also worth watching is the Chaos and Creation at Abbey Road, which is an hour long program Paul McCartney did at Abbey Road. Yeah. You can watch it on YouTube. Um, it's great. It's a real strange show. He plays glasses. Meaning like the rims of uh, glasses filled with water and he does like four he does like these cool like four track recording techniques and um plays a Mellotron. Loops. That's Nigel Godrich making loops with him. Yeah, yeah. Nigel's playing one of the EMI uh the one of the EMI boards um with tapes going. It's it's cool. It's cool. Bit squeaky. It's definitely more than just him with an acoustic guitar playing songs, you know, for a invited audience or whatever. He does a really neat take on I've Got a Feeling. That's kind of a bluesy. I don't know if you've gotten to it yet, but he does a very cool acoustic I Got a Feeling. Um, not the Black Eyed Peas version. <laughs> that's a night's go. Speaking of 05, that's a night's gonna be. A- Have we mocked them on the show here? The fact that they not say yet. Mazel Tov and L'Chaim in their song is the smartest choice. That song will be played at every bar mitzvah until the fucking world ends. Good idea. Yeah. Good idea. Yeah, we need more bar mitzvah songs and we need more Thanksgiving songs. So. Yeah, what Thanksgiving songs? Are, oh, except Alice's Restaurant. Alice's Restaurant is about the only one. Yeah. 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 That's the only one, real one. I mean, there's definitely ones that I, I, I think I tried and I could never like, you know, what do you sing about? It's also a little controversial at this point. Like, 
<laughs> we're coming over. We're taking this land. We're pretending we're friends. We're going to kill you. You know, oh, like <laughs> I, I don't want to get political on this show, Tony. But Trump's changing <laughs> all that with his special indoctrination class to show that slavery didn't happen and the slaughtering yeah. of natives didn't happen. That's, yeah, man. That's, indoctrination is the word. Yep. It's oh, yeah. Indoctrination. Uh, yeah. There's no, uh, but here's the beauty. You can't be a Republican Beatle fan and understand the Beatles, so they're not listening to us. Yeah, I mean, I don't, you know, at this point, I don't care. No. Like, All I want like, is for there to be more planet, more time. And right now, we're, <laughs> there's, it's not happening. Like, I can't a, leave my fucking house because there's smoke outside. Like, you know, it's just, you know. The, who knew the guess who would be so right? Got no time. <laughs> oh, I think you're gonna say undone. <laughs> That's a great one. That is a good That's one. A, it's got some scat in it. I love the Guess Who. Yeah, they were the Canadian Beatles. <laughs> Please welcome to the really big show, the Canadian Beatles. <laughs> Wait, hold on. First of all, fuck you. Clateau is the Canadian Beatles. <laughs> oh, you're right. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry, Clateau. You guys are the Canadian Beatles. <laughs> I didn't mean to say the guess who. <laughs> With Brunsian tunes. That's another plateau. With Brunsian tunes. And they built a big subway. It's another one about building a subway. I hope those guys are doing all right, man. I just, I just hope everyone that's done music is doing all right. Me too, man. <laughs> I'm feeling all right. Okay, so uh, that's yeah. another one to, uh, to check out. And... Uh, the casting creation and Abbey Road documentary is great. It's got Paul doing cool shit. It's all like the album, unlike any other McCartney documentary. And before we wrap for this, that tour he did that started in 05 that went into 06. I saw him at the United Center. I can't remember if it was fall of 05 or spring of 06. I honestly, I can't remember. But it's the most adventurous live McCartney set list. And I'd seen him a bunch by then already, Tony. He pulled out. He did a medley of Too Many People and She Came In Through the Bathroom Window. He did a song I know that you don't love, but he did I'll Get You. He had Please Please Me. <laughs> he had Please Please Me in the encore. He did I'll Follow the Sun. I mean, he just pulled, he did, uh, I think that tour was You Won't See Me, which he hasn't done since. They did In Spite of All the Danger, one of the first you know songs that they, I think that yeah. goes back to the Quarry Men. Yeah, yeah. He pulled out, it was, I remember my, the internet was certainly around, but I wasn't like going to setlist FM dot FM to at the in 05 to see what the hell McCartney was doing live. So I remember being just pleasantly surprised to hear him doing like too many people in concert. Yeah. Oh, and he's going right into she came through the bathroom went like he made these real cool choices in 05, which showed you how confident he was with the with the still height of his powers. Now I will say, you said too many people. I would say that Perhaps during the Hey Jude performance at Live 8, he may have had too many people. <laughs> yes. <laughs> One of those, bring, bring them all out. Bring them all out. Oh. Every, every, the, we are the world. Everyone, right. gets a, <laughs> everyone gets to emote something. Why is Phil <laughs> Collins always here? <laughs> Who keeps inviting Phil Collins to these things? Can't we... <laughs> Billy, lose his number. Stop calling Phil Collins. Uh, and very briefly, Comfort yeah. of Love is another B-side on the Chaos and Creation album that I quite liked. So I do, too. It opens with like a typewriter. Kind is that of what a, that is? Oh, okay. Or it, it sounds a metronome, like it anyway. but yeah. I, it is a metronome. Why did I call it? I'm well, confusing that. because it has the that. ding. Uh-huh. 
Here's what it is. Nigel Godrich used a typewriter and he rigged it to make it sound like a metronome. That's so Radiohead. <laughs> that's so Kid A minus. <laughs> Kid A minus. That, that's the box set. Yeah, uh, I, I confused that song with the Guster song, Barrel of a Gun, that also uses a typewriter. <laughs> yes, that's today's verse. As a Jew of a certain age, you're required to love Guster. I'm just going to be very clear with you. Well, yeah, they open for Sublime. Uh, <laughs> Guster does not practice Santeria. They ain't got no crystal ball. If they yeah. had a million dollars, they'd spend it all. But why do I? Why do I know so much Sublime? I think it's it's too much Q one hundred and one. Q one hundred and one. Q and on one hundred and one. Point. Q and on one hundred and one. By the way. Those people can suck it. I've been saying the F word a lot today, and I'm sorry. It's Friday. It's been a very, very long week. But yeah, I'm done. I'm done with those people too. Uh, yeah, let's be done with them. Um, but don't be done. Segue time with the Chaos and Creation album. Uh, it got a vinyl reissue a couple years ago. Uh, the cheapos at MPL went from a gatefold down to a regular single sleeve when they reissued the vinyl. <laughs> but there hasn't been a deluxe edition box set of this yet. I'm sure it'll be coming eventually. Uh, most of the tracks we mentioned at the end, the uh, B-sides and the unreleased stuff, you still can't get here in the States, and it's hard. You can't get it at all digitally unless you're on YouTube. There you go. There you go. Well, I think next week we're going to... I think we're going to dive deep into uh, Monkey See, Monkey Do off of Ringo's Bad Boy album. You know, we have talked... We actually have had some awkward conversations about Monkey See, Monkey Do versus the Where Where Did I lo- Where Did Our Love Go cover. I can't even <laughs> speak into the joke. That, that, that Where Did Our Love Go cover sounds like Ringo is in a different country than the backup singers. <laughs> baby, baby, ooh, baby. Like, they're not even on this planet. No, man. It was just floating. <laughs> it's from another unused session for Rita Coolidge and the just on this Ringo album. Yeah, the, well, that whole album was recorded on boats. Like, the drummer was on a boat. The <laughs> bass player was on a different boat. The original social distancing <laughs> was done for the Ringo Bad Boy. They knew how contagious it was. You could catch Bad Boy from the mouth. Untitled Beatles podcast. Like and subscribe. <laughs>